from Kalalu Studios in New York City. You are listening to Let's Take It Offline with your host, Kishana Palmer. Hey, Fab Crew. You're listening to Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. Part inspiration, part set down. Let's have a conversation. Here's where you'll find the real deal about living well and leading well. I'm Kishana Palmer, your host and resident leadership whiz. What happened in the meeting after the meeting? We talk about it all on Let's Take This Offline. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. Rochelle Sudipo is the founder and creative director of Rose Red Etc., a brand support agency focused on branding and design. As a consultant and coach, Rochelle partners with executives, entrepreneurs, artists, and influencers to build and cultivate individual and organizational brands across their stages of growth, from startup to scale. She supports clients that range in size from small businesses to multi-million dollar organizations. A fine artist and educator by training, Rochelle pairs her passion for the aesthetics of art with her expertise in scaffolding and pedagogy to work with clients to understand and refine a brand vision that reflects their core values. Her signature service, Soul Level Branding, leverages the Rose Red Etc. framework to go beyond design by defining, highlighting, and amplifying the personality and value proposition of a brand before curating a complementary visual identity. Rochelle self-identifies as a creative leader. As a designer, she prides herself on using standard tools in non-traditional ways and finds clear connections between what others may see as disparate ideas to create a cohesive vision. Outside of running day-to-day operations for Rose Red, etc., Rochelle teaches tools and tactics to support solo entrepreneurs and other students in understanding how to effectively mix brand theory and creative artistry to drive impact What's up, y'all? It's Kashana, and I am back again for another episode of Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. And friends, I could not be more excited to have back for season three, one of our fave season one guests. Y'all, y'all downloaded the heck out of her episode on play. And if you didn't hear about what we need to do as adults to play, um, after you listen to this episode, I'm gonna need you to run it back and listen to it again. And so I'm so happy to have back in the studio, Rochelle Sadipo, creative director of Rose Red, etc. and Rose Red Paper Studio. Y'all, all of y'all at some point or another have been drooling over some aspect of the creative work around Kashana and Co. Whether it was a graphic or a video or a rapper or a club flyer I gave y'all, because y'all know I'll be for the streets. Um, something that this woman and her team has designed, has, has imagined, has shown up. And Rochelle's passion is about taking these brands that are like blah and making them boom. She builds brands that are so nice that you don't have to do it twice. And in fact, we were fussing at each other the other day, y'all, because I want to redo Kashana and Co. again. And she said, it shall not be a thing anymore. And so if you 
are an entrepreneur with some coin, okay? Because we don't do the broke folks over here. If you're a nonprofit organization looking for your mission to stand out, if you are a corporate entity that are tired of the drab, dry, boring, same old, same old, and you want somebody who understands not just design theory, because you know, y'all, that is very important how the things go together, but also has her ear to the streets, then this next guest is the person that you want to to have in your creative back pocket, okay? But today we are going to be talking not just about brand job because we can talk about that all day, but we're going to be talking about the brand of faux vulnerability. Y'all like a faux fur, okay? Hello? And so let me bring up Rochelle, Rochelle to the studio. Hello, my friend. Hey, family. How y'all doing? We're twinsies. We're <laughs> twinsies. So listen, for those of y'all who are listening to this and not looking at our glorious, gorgeous, well-dude skin, okay, skincare on lock on YouTube, we both have on very, very fly specs, okay? We are here for the ladies who glasses. <laughs> Pose for the people. Pose for the people. Okay, listen, listen. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. So Rochelle. The yeah. reason that I had to have you back because we talk all the time and people do not get to have all of our goodness and all of the inside conversations, nor should they. Okay. Sometimes your girlfriend's business is your girlfriend's business. Is it not? Tears. <laughs> I sent you this post off Facebook that I'm going to read y'all. And I'm going to show it here on screen y'all in a second that it just blew us all away. And it says, uh, it's been three days. Since my therapist was like, you are so very open about vulnerable topics, but is that the same as actually being vulnerable? And y'all, damn, damn. Like this is what Anna Borges, the original poster said, and I had to grab it and I dropped this in Rochelle's DM and said, I'm gonna need to talk to my therapist about this. Rochelle, what was your response when I sent you this thing? Because this was so serious. I was like the little emoji that has the brain blowing out, the mind blown emoji. Um, This is a way of life for me. And I immediately went to the many ways, y'all, that Kashana and I not only, um, I would say, feign vulnerability, but we also intellectualize things so that we don't have to deal with certain undesirable scenarios or people who who we put up the X to, right? But we also create faux intimacy by oversharing. So when you overshare, people are drawn into you. They feel warm and fuzzy and you still get to live behind the wall of a intimacy of your own making. And so I was challenging her and she was challenging me to uncover or un- or unearth, as it were, why we do this. Why do we why do that? do we do this? So listen, y'all, I told y'all I was going to find the post. And so I'm putting it up right now um, on the tab because I need y'all to understand what this whole thing is really about. Like it is Hold a up. serious. Throw it up there. Hold on. Let me go on and throw it up because, you know, I'm looking at the Chrome tab. What tab is it? Okay. Come on, Facebook with the tab. Yes. Hello. The of the situation. Here we go. Listen, 
This thing hit me. It's been three days since my therapist was like, you're so very open about vulnerable topics. But that is that the same as actually being vulnerable? And damn, guys, damn. And it's not the same. It's not the same. And so the reason that it hit me so heavy was because I would say and have been known to say that people tend to think they know me really, really well, but they really don't. And Rochelle, I took pride in that. Like for real, for real, like you think if you don't know me by now, you will never, ever know you me. Except will never, never, never know me. Woo. Woo. Then I'm ready. Then I'm ready. Then I'm ready. Then I'm ready. Then I'm ready for the duo. Okay. But I would talk to folks and share lots of information about myself. Right. And talk about things that people would perceive as being very painful or they would perceive as being very intimate, you know, might even perceive as being very private. But the reality is that for me, I didn't really feel that way about any of it. Yeah. And I didn't even realize I was doing that. I'm going to challenge you. I think you did realize you were doing it. Whoa. Uh, You want to call me out already? I'm just going to call you out because here's the thing. You know, you were doing it. And you didn't have any plans to stop. Like, that's the thing that used to blow my mind when you would tell me that you were doing it. And I would say, oh, okay. I'm thinking, y'all, she's telling me this because she wants to remediate her behavior. Oh, no. Miss Thane would double down. That's why I'm calling you out. All right. Wait a minute. Are we taking it offline or what? We did, we done took it all the way offline. This is the this is the fuss out that had happened after I walked off the stage. Okay. <laughs> y'all don't know. That's why you can't invite your friends nowhere. Once, and this gets into a little bit of the intellectualizing piece, but once you broke it down to me, let me tell y'all something just as a sidebar. Listen, nobody (laughs) can intellectualize like my sister. Yeah, you think somebody can break something down in a cerebral way? She can go meta. She can go cerebral. She can take it wherever, wherever you like. Okay. (laughs) But no, once you broke it down to me, I realized I too was doing that, but mine is like more overshare. And, Ah, you know, it's like, I just want to, I want to give you all the layers of the Rochelle cake and you can take a slice or you can leave it. But I put the cake here for you. And they don't know that I don't care if you take the cake, dump the cake to the side, take a whole plate, you know, they don't know. But I know that I'm using this to insulate and to buffer and to create boundaries. We're using it as a boundaries. As a boundaries. And so I read... It's not. It's not. And so interestingly, I've read that like sometimes we use a certain type of honesty as a weapon of distraction. Mm. Oh, snap. (laughs) A weapon of distraction? A weapon of mass distraction. Oh, snap. (laughs) What? I know, somebody right now, I know somebody right now. Somebody in their car feel real convicted right now. I have to bring a fan (laughs) into I look, I don't grab the thing of tea. I've never heard that before, but that's so real. And I think the reason why it has such a substantial impact upon me. Immediate backlash. Oh my God. Because I do that. I'm intentionally distracting people because I don't want to deal. You don't want people that close in. I don't like it. It's very uncomfortable. And you know, you're the people person between the two of us. This is true. You're the one. Like for me, the, and honestly, Kashana and I don't fight. We don't have no. arguments, right? Uh-uh. But the biggest difference between us is 
She's like, but why don't you want to come and be around all the people and do all the things? <laughs> I'm like, Kashana, actually, I would rather not. You know right. what? I have to, I have to accept that. You know, that's her thing. That's when I know right. she loves me and she hears me. So she's not gonna push me off. All right, she's rather I come do the people thing, right? But it's so crazy. Like, so the thing about this, so you talk about um, you know, lots of things you experienced in your life. You know, you talk about the loss of your mom and you yeah. talk about um having to have a double mastectomy, and you've talked about so many different like moments in your life where for many of us that would be like bone crushing and crippling but because of the fact that you talk about it so openly and honestly folks might have the experience that you're being super open when in fact you are dare I say hiding you called me out you got me but why do we do that like and I think think about the fact that we're both business owners we are CEOs of small and growing companies we have clients that people would envy on our client roster even as we continue to grow our businesses and so we're very front and center in the work that we're doing we have power of personality right so folks want to know and understand who we are as people and we kind of love it and sort of hate it so we're both open but hiding You know, I I have to tell you that this really cuts to the quick because I think the hiding has to do a lot with the fact that as black women, I don't think it's a very the spaces that we occupy are not always very permissive spaces. Yes. Yes. And and I hate to say this, um, but I don't think that we always create a safe space for each other because of some of the traumas that we have endured being in the spaces and places that we've had to navigate in this country, in this world. Um, And we don't always make it easy to be vulnerable with one another. And so I think hiding in plain sight doesn't create the tension uh, wherein people don't feel comfortable around you because you're cold and distant. So we've learned this behavior of hiding in plain sight because that means we won't create rift or discord or friction with yeah. one another or even our clients, but we still get to preserve ourselves. And I think the ideal situation, and maybe you could speak more to this because again, of the two of us, you are the one who is doing more interfacing with people. But I think the happiest space or scenario or outcome that there could be would be for us to figure out a way to exist as who we are without needing the buffer of the overshare or the feigned vulnerability or the feigned Mm -hmm. intimacy. I think that's the best outcome, but I just don't know the trajectory or like the path that we would need to be on to get there. What are your thoughts about how to deal with that as somebody who is always kind of like interacting with people and giving of yourself in that way. How does that land on you? I mean, first of all, I didn't really realize, like, I mean, I knew I do it, but I didn't realize just how like deep seated that was. And I definitely did have to circle back to my therapist. Like, so I have thoughts (laughs) because the reality is that when you have a big personality there, I think there's an expectation that you're going to share more, that you're going to be more people you know, remark about, you know, how open I am or how honest I am or how real I seem. And so whether we like it or not, there's like a pressure, whether it's a heavy pressure on my shoulder blade, it's an anvil around your ankle, depends on who you are in the world, to really continue to show up that way. And the minute you have this pressure to show up, that immediately enters, for me anyway, 
the performance zone because that is where I live. And I think if I'm able to focus in on one area of my life, and so for me, I talk a lot about mothering and motherhood, but I don't actually really talk in great detail about it. So I think like the the cheat code is if you really listen in, like, I don't know if most people know my kid's name. I'm not really sure they know anything about the child other than I call her the queen agent. When she was little, I called her shorty. Like that was basically it. And I would even here and again, tell tales about some of the, 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 the shenanigans and chicanery that children do. But I don't know if I dug into or have ever dug into truly how painful it has been, for example, to be a single mother, particularly when I did not choose it, you know, or the choices that I made because for many years I was surviving with this kid. No, I wasn't homeless. No, I wasn't at risk of being homeless because thank God for my mom and my daddy and my grandma, this place is for me to go. So I wasn't at risk of not, of being unhoused, right? I wasn't at risk of not having food to eat because there's nobody in the Palmer clan who's going to let me go a, a day without no, no rundown, okay? <laughs> they're going to be some kind of greenery and some kind of yam on a plate put before me. So I'm not worried about that. And yet I felt like and had the real time experience of constantly being in survival mode with this heightened level of stress that every decision that I made was going to be a make or break decision for me and this kid. And even the other day we were talking about that. Why, why do we not want to share the pain I think okay. Let me let me let me retract my question sure. and, and and offer us and offer commentary. Yeah. I don't believe that we really want people to see the fact that we have pain. Ah, uh, I think that we don't want people to identify with that portion of us. We rather people identify with the the more palatable side, which is you know, the uplifting side, the encouraging side, the motivational side, the inspirational mm-hmm. side, you know, the hard worker, uh, the snazzy dresser. You know, we, we want people to to perceive we're, we're trying to control perception. You know what? I think we're being manipulative. Yeah. I think we're being manipulative. Huh. Say more on that. So because I feel like do we start out manipulative with the manipulative like idea or do we start out with a protective idea and we realize it just gets it's a tangled web we weave when we first get out to try to not deceive that, that could be it that could be it but ultimately i i know i want to control what people their perceptions right because that's what branding and marketing is and if we're on the yes. socials you know and it, a lot of us are making these connections through the internet look at you and i and i think the reason why you and i first of all we were clearly sisters born to different families Uh, that's clear right like God did that but I don't think it's a coincidence that you and I were going through our own personal traumas and transformations at the same time so the veneer was not there yeah we just didn't have any type of insulation like it was we were primed for connection because Mm -hmm. we weren't doing that so I think it's much more difficult and I know I've told you recently in the past six to eight months that several people have said, you are very hard to get next to Rochelle. You're very hard to get next to. And I, and I was really taking that um, to heart. And I felt, I felt very, um, I felt very ashamed. 
I think is the word that I'm seeking. I felt ashamed because I knew that I was intentionally being hard to get next to. And I, and I, and I'm saying now that I believe it's a form of manipulation because I want to manipulate their perception. Now, Children manipulate us to get what they want. I mean, I think all the time they're we're all, I think we're all doing some form of that, but I think that at some level it becomes intentional manipulation. And to your point, you know, is it protection? I think that we don't need to do so much of it to be protected. Uh, we, how many books do we read about boundaries? How you know, therapy, life coaching, we know about boundaries. We could we could put boundaries in place, but I think at some point your boundaries already exist. You don't need any additional protection. Mm-hmm. And and you start manipulating people because you want them to do what you want them to do. And I think we should admit that to ourselves um, because I think that that's, that's part of the healing. That's part of the journey. I love that. I think that, you know, in thinking about like where we hide behind our truths, right? Or how much we're going to share or we live in one aspect of sharing so that we don't have to share in the others. The flip side of that, and I've been guilty of both, is oversharing. And so that is when you just have verbal diarrhea. How many times? I don't know if it happens to you that often, but it happens to me all the time. I'm like, ah, why did I tell them all that? Oh my God, I just met them. Jesus Lord. Like I've done that on dates. I've done that in business situations. I've done that with people who I thought were going to be my friend. I mean, I literally have been like, yeah, maybe I should not have released that information at that time. And I don't know if telling people more than the definitely the definition of TMI was actually that helpful in creating connections for me. Like, I don't know if it was that helpful in that connective tissue, you know, from your description about like the veneers being off when it came to how you and I came to be friends. If my veneer is down and somebody else's veneer is up, bumping against the force field. Right. If mine is up and somebody else is down, there you go again, bumping against the force field. Let, let me ask you, do you believe like in as you recall some of these experiences wherein you were oversharing? Yeah. Do you feel like that was your pick me, like that pick me energy kind of? Yes. Person? Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you know that the hardest thing that I've had to admit, dear people of the Internet, dear people <laughs> of the Internet. Hold on. You talk, hold on. You talk. I'm going to do the sound face. Go ahead. Dear people of the Internet, I would just like to tell you all that for the last I don't know how many numbers of years, I, Kashana, Olivia, have been a pick me. That's it. That's me. Mm hmm. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back in a few. We have all been there. Losing a team member is like throwing money in the trash and putting it outside for pickup. In fact, according to my most recent deep dive on these internet streets, according to the research, you can lose up to $200,000 in revenue and a lot of time when you don't make a great hire and your team members, well, they leave. So how do you find amazing talent and create the conditions for them to stick? If you've ever had a hard time hanging on to your team, you're looking for new strategies to help your team grow, or you're ready to level up as a manager and leader, then I have something for you. Sticky Teams, a private podcast just for everyday leaders, people managers, 
business owners, and folks who are looking to do talent management right so that you can recruit, retain, and develop great employees. I'm going to help you keep them engaged and make sure all of this aligns with the strategy and goals of your organization. The days of hiring and firing, of finding them and losing them, are gone. Dig on in to Sticky Teams over at Kashanaco.com. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. Now, let's head back to Let's Take This Offline. Okay, my turn. Hit it. Dear people of the internet, I, Rochelle Sadipo, would like to admit that I don't give a damn about whether or not you pick me. care about it in one regard and you're gonna you're going to you know agree with me when I don't get picked to to speak or to be on the dais and I see my counterparts you know coalescing with one another and in working with each other I do you know get into my bag that's when you get in your bag Mm -hmm. you know but the friend thing because I think I don't know like I think that's that's predestined stuff I mean that's like yeah, that's God. That's a God thing. So the friend thing, I'm like, oh, we didn't connect. Cool. You know, but the business thing I do, I because there there is a in my mind. Right. And it's, this is just a feeling, not a fact. But there's a pantheon of professional black woman. And sometimes I don't think that I fit. There's you a and me both. See, I and again, you know this. I disagree with you. I disagree with you. You totally fit there. And people know who you are. You're you're super Googleable. And I spent my career in support of, of the Kashanas of the world and me not so much, right? So logically, people aren't seeing me because I'm not putting myself forward. So that's why I'm not on the dais. It's not that I don't have the personality, the knowledge, the skills. It's not that I'm a, not a dynamic speaker or trainer. It's not that I don't know my stuff, right? It's just that I'm not visible. That is the narrative that I've created. And that narrative does shape how I perceive these opportunities that other people are receiving. I know that's a rabbit hole, but I do think it's worth an honorable mention, right? No, absolutely. I think it is worth it. I think it goes back to that full vulnerability, right? And so are you able to endear folks to you if you present as more vulnerable than if you don't? There are folks who actually present as more vulnerable, as more real. Mm. There are folks who have used... Blunt honesty, rudeness, poor home training, bad manners. <laughs> Disguised as, I'm just keeping it real. No, your mouth is rude. Mm. Um, To endear people to their brashness or to endear people to their like, look at me putting it on my sleeve. And I think that because many of us, particularly for those of us who identify as Black women, as women of color, I would say, our audience who are also mainly women, like Mm -hmm. in some slice of your version of the internet, you have had to tap dance for some version of attention. And if there's anything you know about tap dancing, clickety-click, clickety-clack, clickety-click, clickety-clack, you have got to make noise 
jazz hands to be seen for the performance. You have to, right? And so when we think about faux vulnerability, particularly because there's so much writing now about vulnerability, vulnerability. Brene Brown has written the tomes on them, right? There's an encyclopedia, uh, Brene Brontanica, you know, like on vulnerability, on shame, on all this stuff. And the more that we have everyday language to describe what those emotions are about, I mean, you got to try the thing on. And that's what folks end up doing when they either overshare or they end up being like, okay, I'm a vulnerable person. I'm going to tell you this thing that maybe I shouldn't talk about and I don't feel embarrassed about because I want to bring you in close, even though you're not. Look here on this one little corner because I don't want you to see nothing over there. Mm. You know what this puts me in the mind of just when you said that I was thinking about how this is your space, but, you know, as somebody that is managing a team and is a leader, I do that with my team. You do? Yeah. Y'all, turn the volume up, lean in for the juice. (laughs) I do that with my team all the time. You know, okay, guys, it's, you know, this is what I did. I was in your seat. I was in your position. This is, these are the experiences that I had. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, I'm doing all manner of things with my right hand, but the left Mm -hmm. hand is distracting you because I don't really want you to see that I am struggling right now as your leader. Mm -hmm. I don't really want you to see that after I run your pay, I run payroll that I'm not going to get paid this month. I'm not going to take an owner's draw, okay? Those yep. of you who know the language. Those of you who know the language, okay? Come on for the owner's draw. And I think that this, this concept of vulnerab- feigned vulnerability and uh, oversharing and all of that, um, it shows up in different areas of our life, but I'm definitely doing that with my team. And I can tell you that it's very dangerous because what does that do? It sets up this dynamic where in that we're pals and we're buddies. And, and, and I think that it has caused more harm than good because now the, the 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 sacred space between me doing my job as the CEO and the leader and you doing your job as a, a valued team member is a little bit blurred. Right. And so, you know, I'm just, this, and, and just in this conversation, I've had this revelatory moment, you know, so I definitely need to make sure that I'm cognizant, cognizant of that as I navigate my future. With within my company, but yeah. what do you think about leaders who do that? Because I know that that's that's a big leadership, you know, faux pas. Faux pas. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's natural for us to be like to 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 lean in towards the part of empathy that says, "I understand where you've been because I've been in your shoes, so I get it." Right, and so I think the part that tips around the vulnerability is to be able to share a foible or share a loss or share something that you believe is going to get that person to get the work done. Yes. Notice, y'all, like not get that person to relax or to understand like mistakes happen. Here's how we rebound or here's how we do this thing differently or here's how you course correct yourself. Ultimately, in the example you gave, Rochelle, is that the goal is get the job done. <sighs> the like that's our version. Again, that's Dang the, it. I, I'm manipulating them into doing what I want them to do. You know, I do want them to be happy, healthy and whole. I do. I promise you I do. Yes, of course. I go to great lengths to make sure that they feel that way. 
But ultimately, I just want you to do your job for me, please, so that I don't have to stop and try to pick up some pieces, the disparate pieces of your, you know, effort, <laughs> you know, like the effort you had on Monday, the half mm-hmm. of effort you had last week on Wednesday. I don't want to have to, I, I just don't want to have to do that. So please, you know, maybe this story, maybe my foible, right, can 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 motivate you to do what the hell I asked you to do. Ooh, hello. What Listen, does that make me? It, I mean, it makes you human. It makes you human and it makes you getting to decide to make different choices about how you leverage good storytelling, which is what you're in the business of doing, good storytelling, um, to motivate folks to an end. Here's where it goes left. It's not even at work. Y'all, it's on these internet streets. It's in the wild, wild west, the alleyways and the byways where folks tap their virtual mic and say, here's the tragic thing that has happened to me. No one asked me, but I wanted to be able to share you with all of you this tragic story with no call to action at the end anyway, just sharing. Hope you don't mind. Go back to your regularly scheduled business. Why is that so prevalent right now? Okay, so from let me just put on my brand strategist hat, right? Everybody. So let's talk about, you know, I love to talk about what's happening in the 21st century versus, you know, the hundreds of years before now. We are we are constantly inundated with information. Everybody is constantly consuming copious amounts of information. And what have we been talking about nonstop for the past five and a half to six years? Personal brand, personal brand, personal brand. We have all taken story brand course or we have read the book and i think people have co-opted those strategies and don't know how to turn it off frankly and they think Mm. because they're couching it in in such a way as to put together a narrative that is compelling because you don't need to put a call to action there because that story is actually a breadcrumb because think about what you do you read that story and now you pay attention to that person after that story you know what you go do you hit the follow that's right. You like it. You share a little bit of your own experience. You send them a direct message. And then the door is open for them to do what? Socially sell you. Socially sell you. I was socially sold into $24,000 worth of legal services that I did not need in the year of 2021. Wait a minute. Through the faux vulnerability vortex. Y'all, yes. I done created. How many words I done created yet now? Y'all know, I I said, y'all know I will make up a word. You're going to have to get the transcript of this and then yes. just start like, you know, <laughs> weaving these keywords into the rest of your, you know, stuff because some of the things you've come up with, chef's kiss. I mean, like, it's the vortex, right? You lit- you thought you were on the landing pad to go one place and then warp speed, you're someplace else. You're in someplace else. You're in someplace else. And to be clear, let me say this. The person who socially sold me this it's not like, I don't think there was any malicious intent, right? Like, I don't think this person was was like, yeah, now I've got her. You know, I think that they were doing what everybody else does. But because I was so, I felt so ashamed that I had shame again. done these things for my business. I felt so, I, I, I wondered if this person was going to go share with other people that they knew who are in our circle mm-hmm. that, 
oh my God, Rochelle owns this agency. And for all this time, she didn't have this protected and she didn't have this edited and she didn't have this reviewed. And so I made some, I created some narratives and some assumptions. And so this person didn't have to do a whole lot Right. Because I was I am my own work. out there. Right. You out there doing right. the heavy lifting. You were like, right. well, but, the sound of the man. I mean, you was doing working it. on the train like mm-hmm. that's exactly how it went. But I will say some of their posts and some of the things that they were sharing just put me in the right. Like they positioned themselves in my brain as the go to choice as somebody who understands the poor entrepreneur who just you know, needs a leg up, who just hadn't had the right counsel and support. And so I think the reason we do it, going back to the original question, the reason we do it is because we've been inundated with the information that tells us that we should be doing it. And then once you get results from that stuff, it's like crack. You're like, it is like crack. crack. Right. Like, Like literally talking about personal brand, my personal, well, first of all, I have thoughts about what my personal brand is. If you were to describe, because I can describe yours. If you were to describe my personal brand, like what am I about? Not the company. If you said Kashana, the person is about the following, what would it be? I would say enjoying life to the fullest. I would I say being incredibly genuine and expressive. I would agree. I would say being fashion and trend forward with with three shades of class. Come on, classy. I and agree. I would say all about the deep and, ab- and unabating love of her family and friends. Oh, I like her. I should want to meet her. Right. That's, you, that's who you actually are. That's not, you know, this is not a performance. That's actually- well, thank God. Yeah. But the but and yet they're the manipulation that I have to really be mindful of in that example you gave. Because I'm about to break you down. I don't think I'm leaving you off the hook. Huh. Is that I have to be careful that in that genuineness, in that love of family and friends, in that making people feel like family, that I don't invite in relationships that I really don't have any intention of fostering. Girl, you're gonna make me take my ponytail down. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's so real. That's so real. Because I gotta be careful. You can't be that person all the time, but Mm-mm. that's how people perceive you because again, mm-hmm. you're not sharing the pains. You're not sharing the slings and arrows that you've had to suffer. And so therefore people are like, oh, I want some of that energy. What makes her this way all the time? Mm-hmm. But people don't really know that, yes, you are all those things, but on the back end, you have to recharge. On the back end, you're constantly thinking about all of these things. You know, there you have the brain with all the tabs open all the time. People don't get all of that. Get all that. So there really isn't a lot of room for some of these new relationships and some of these hangers on, right? There's not a lot of room for that. Uh, but that is not how you present. So that is a good point. That is a very, very good point. Now, so interesting. Now, you in your personal band, if I had to describe, you gave me four things, right? Yes. If I had to describe it, I would say it's like an artichoke. Because an artichoke has so many different ways. There's the dip. There's the roasted artichoke. There's the artichoke oil. There's the artichoke baked with the cheese on it. When you put the Parmesan and so forth, you just scoop it out, right? You boil it. You can't fry it, though. But an artichoke is complex. It's gorgeous to look at. You kind of don't know where to start. You can't just dig in. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be delicate with the safe. And then it's decadent in so many different ways. And so you present as super complex 
And yet, unlike me, y'all, <laughs> you just is down home. And as I like these five simple things, as can be. You like you got a uniform. Listen, y'all, Rochelle uniform. She's not doing it today, y'all, for those of y'all listening. She's wearing black, but she normally wears red every day. But I just want y'all to know, two years ago, one day she called me like, that's it. I'm giving away all my clothes and I'm going to have a capsule wardrobe. It's going to have nine black pieces in it because I do not have time to be thinking about getting dressed. That's a decision diet, y'all. For those of y'all who haven't heard the episode, I'm taking a decision diet. Okay, that's a decision diet. And I am doing that. So she's like, so appears to be so comfortable. You can't get close. She's like the artist that people are like, now where did that artist live again? And then the work just appears magically in a gallery. And you're like, oh, Rochelle was here five minutes ago, but she's gone now. My Back to her hurts. cave. My face hurts. Where she had simple hummus with 97 ingredients. I just want you to know. There's a complexity and a simplicity at the same time, which is why you got that experience that folks had and they can't get close because they want to get close. They're like, I'm so close. And then I got there and it was a force field. What is it? And at the same time, then she is so darn smart. Her personal brand is like, let me take the most disparate ideas that y'all didn't know you were thinking about, bring them all together. And now you are going to shop at these really high-end design stores for furniture that you didn't think you needed because it definitely relates to your brand. I just want you to know. So you're able to bring different things together. And then, y'all, she's where I... If you ever heard me talk about a polka dot, I did not make that up. I got that from Rochelle, where if you ain't in the polka dot, and for those of y'all who do not have polka dots, I'm not talking about the large polka dots that clowns wear. I'm talking about the tiny polka dots that can barely be seen on good fabric, okay? Um... That's who she cares about. Everybody else, you might bleed into the white parts of the black polka dot, but I just want you to know, you're never making it into the black. And so you're in your brand, you in your personal brand, you have both that like, there's a chance for me to get into the black. But at the same time, you're never gonna make it. Never gonna make it. So there's an allure there, right? So your brand is alluring to me, right? So it's decadent and it's complex, but it's so simple when you break it down and it's alluring and you want to get close, but you can't get too close. So you want to be next to it. So you you just essentially create, and I've seen this, fangirls, boys and thems and theys all over the place who can't, who don't want to come too close. They're just going to watch you like stalkers from across the street. That's exactly what... I mean, I, my face hurts because I'm smiling because <laughs> I just I feel so honored that you see me that way because I hold Kashana in such high esteem and so such high regard. Um, so the way that you see me makes my soul just jump for joy. But also I'm smiling because I'm a little embarrassed at how dead on the money. <laughs> but it's like it's not it's not intentional. I mean, this is just, you know, this yeah. is just who I am. And I think, um, man, you just this is the problem. And, and, you know, I tell Kashana all the time, people will come and say, Oh yeah, I was talking to such and such. And I was at the movies and then we, there was a discussion about art and your name came up, but the people never say it to me. (laughs) It's wild. I don't know why. I mean, well, now I do know why, right. It's, that's why it's, it's in the polka dot. I always say my circle is the size of a polka dot. It's tiny. It's, it's small. Cause I don't have the capacity to do, you know, large, <laughs> I don't have enough love. I don't have enough, I don't have enough bandwidth. You know, it takes Kashana to really break down the different types of love. 
I don't have it. <laughs> I don't have it. But I think you bringing that to my attention, though, does make me neater and measure my desires. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think we can we are not honest with ourselves in terms of what we say we want versus who we are willing to be. So we've been a fake fur to ourselves, man. Wait a minute. Straight up target faux fur accessories department. Super, super nice. And it'll last your lifetime if you take care of it. However, fake, fake. Yeah. And so like me saying before, I mean, this is, this is, I love this because we're solving in real time. Right. So before I was saying, I experience pain when I'm not invited to be on the day. I experience pain when I'm not included. But the reality is I'm not willing to be shiny enough and present enough in those spaces in order to receive that invitation. You know, all of the speaking engagements and stuff like that have come very organically, but they've been a lot of word of mouth, a lot of recommendations. And it hasn't been because I'm the shiniest penny, <laughs> as one of our friends would say. Right. So, <laughs> so I think. I think I have to be honest with myself and say um, that I'm not willing to wear that 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 particular garment. I'm not willing to wear that coat. I'm not willing to wear that jacket because it makes me uncomfortable. And I need to I need to adjust my expectations with the level of access that I'm willing to grant people. So, you know, if I'm still going to put up uh, if I'm going to have the boundary of the overshare and the, you know, the feigned vulnerability then I have to recognize that some people don't resonate with that. And that's repulsive to some people. Mm-hmm. And I have to be okay with that. Um, because if I want other results, I have to do other things. And I'm not, and I can just say here, clearly, I'm not willing to do that. That is so real. And I think that's, that's the important part. Like if y'all are not catching this part in the conversation, it's that you have got to have a degree of self-awareness so that you can recognize where a behavior that you have, particularly as a leader, is stemming from, then you get to decide what you want to do about it, if anything, which helps you to put in context how others receive those decisions, which doesn't perpetuate a cycle of self-loathing and of feeling left out, in my case, of being a pick-me, damn it. Every time I say that, I'm like, and I'm cute too. So cute for that foolishness. Oh, you're beautiful. Like, oh, but you could be a pick me in business and your personal life and your friendships and your love life with your family, just all over the place. Just baby, you should be upset if you're not chosen and then don't understand why because of your lack of introspection. That's right. So if you don't understand why you're not being chosen and you don't understand that you're seeking, you know, you're a pick me person, I think you're super lost. I think the awareness that, you know, you have that pick me energy, you know, will at least help you shepherd yourself back onto a path that's more realistic for you. But oh, absolutely. Let me, let me ask you this. Where do you think sure. introspection, what, like, what role does introspection play in your life specifically? And then how do you think people can use introspection as like a, a routinization tool? So I love that question. So for me, introspection is a critical component to being present. Okay. And because I operate at a hundred miles an hour, you know that I'm always on the go, like, and futuristic for those of y'all who y'all know I'm a, a Clifton Scrunch coach. So y'all know I'm always talking about strengths. Um, but for me, like, because futuristic is like my number two, is it number two, three? No, my number three time out of my top five strengths, I'm always looking at the horizon. And so because my mind is already at the horizon, I'm at great risk of not enjoying 
what's happening right here in the here and now. So introspection for me is a look back tool because otherwise I'm going to miss it. My eyes are ready on what's next. I'm not barely paying attention to what's now. So I have to pay attention to what happened. And yeah. I do that in a fashion that allows me, sometimes, I, sometimes I'm going to beat late, but it allows me to be able to go, how did that happen? What part did I play in that? Who, who do I hold accountable by myself, if anybody? What do I need to make amends? What did I do well? So that I'm able to make decisions for those decisions that I got to make that are further out that I already have my eye on. So to routinize that is really getting into whatever environment allows you to be able to slow down just a little bit. The other day, mm -hmm. literally a couple of days ago, I had to take a business call, but I had been sitting at my desk for six hours. I mean, I stood up and I have a sit stand desk, y'all. So I stood up and I went to the bathroom and stuff. Don't worry, y'all. But I had been at my desk for probably about six hours and I was burnt, like I was tired. I wanted to take a nap. And I'm not a daytime napper. I've decided that I don't even know why I bother to say that because I never take a nap in the daytime. And when I do, I have nightmares. Like, it's terrible. What I needed was fresh air. And so I went for a 45-minute walk and I was on the phone taking another call, but I was walking briskly, you know, almost out of breath. And I felt so refreshed. Now, I probably would have felt even more refreshed if I was not on the phone, but I also would mm -hmm. not have walked for 45 minutes, y'all. I'm not going to lie to y'all. It would have been 15 minutes and I came back home. Um, so that's for that, that phone call kept me going, but it just allowed me to be able, once I got off the phone to walk another 10 minutes and just reflect on what was happening. So whatever you need to do to move yourself into the environment that gives you the space to think to me helps you to get into that routine. It could be the shower, which is my other place. It could be your breakfast time and making your coffee. You don't talk to anybody until you have your ritual of putting your stuff into the coffee, making a coffee, making it into the cup and the cup into the, like whatever your thing is, Rochelle, like I think that is how you get into that, that routine, if yes. you will, of taking the opportunity to be able to just take a step back and to just be introspective. And we don't allow ourselves the gift of introspection because we are afraid of what's in there, okay? Yeah, because we know that we haven't cleaned the baseboards. We haven't taken out the trash. We, have we, not. Haven't, we haven't flipped the mattress. We, we, we know have not. we have not done that deep cleaning. Mm -hmm. And I think we some of us have years of buildup. That's right. You know, And so to confront that means... Because it's not enough to just know that you have an ailment, right? Whether that's, that's a right. spiritual ailment or a physical ailment or a mental ailment. It's not enough to just know that. But you have to be willing to confront what you did to get there. Now, some of us, it's genetic. Some of us, is environmental. Some of us, though, it's the it's the kind where we did it to ourselves, did right? To ourselves. Talk about so, it. So, and I, and I think that the reason we don't like to confront it is just because we just aren't prepared to do what's necessary to turn that ship around or to remediate our behavior. So right. I know I know that there's a time limit on this podcast. I want to be invited back because I have another concept that's going to stretch this Woo! Listen, y'all, we either going to do it on the podcast or y'all, we going to do it on my <laughs> weekly show because, you know, that's the you, one or the other. We getting this thing on, but the podcast is where you need to be. I'm just letting you know. So listen, y'all, Rochelle and I talk every day and we work all the time. And we still talk every day and we never run out of things to talk about. And so I want to know what y'all think about what we have been digging into about faux vulnerability, y'all. Okay. The faux vulnerability vortex and other such things. Okay. Okay. Weapon of mass distraction.
Oh, child. Listen, Rochelle, you actually have a weapon that fights the distraction. And I feel like I read about it the other day on the instance of the Grams, and that is your soul level branding. So are you bringing this back? Tell people what the soul level branding oh, is about. Oh, Lordy, you're the best. So you're bringing it back, aren't you? I'm bringing it back. So I did it before, and I kind of stopped doing it because it was a drain on my spirit. But here's here, here it is in a nutshell. <laughs> Um, so people come to the agency and, and like you said, Kishana, we, we definitely have some, some heavy hitters, um, that, uh, you know, work with us and it's amazing, but we also serve SMBs and, uh, coaches, consultants, speakers, trainers, and a lot of people come through our doors and they, they are experiencing drudgery when it comes to building their brand simply because they built a trauma response brand. So here's what I mean by that. I, I'm listen. in the number. I'm in the number. You had to clean me out. We still cleaning it out. We doing Girl, the, we're the root canal, the root canal of the trauma brand. Go ahead. Let me hear it. So, so here's why you built a trauma brand, right? You're doing the comparison thing or your parents told you, you know, you should be in this career, but you didn't really love it. Or you spent so much money and invested so much time that you're That's just right. going to see this thing through. But the problem with that is, is that in order to really advocate on behalf of a brand, you have to love it. You have to be in it. And uh, branding is just the practice of of honoring and upholding the reputation, which is the brand. Okay, and then brand identity, which is the fun part that we all love. Just so y'all know, Kashana really loves brand identity. Um, (laughs) The brand identity piece is the thing that is like the icing on the cake, but we have to work on the brand. And the reason people don't love it is because they built these trauma response brands. So the soul level branding sometimes makes people do the following. Stop selling a product or service. Fire people who are not in alignment with the vision because sometimes your team can be the impediment to you loving your brand. And the third thing is they actually end up scrapping everything and starting from scratch. I know, but you know what? I love it when they do that because it's a moment, moment of honesty. And that's what you need in order to build a brand that you love and that the market loves. Because there's a reason why people love that hole in the wall chicken wing spot that's around the corner from your house or that rib shack, right? right. Because the brand, the way they treat you and the food match. That's right. And that brand means something to you and they position themselves well. But before you can get there, you have to love it. You have to believe in it. And so that's why I'm bringing Soul Level Branding back, because I think that creatives and clients need to get back together and start enjoying being with each other again. Mm, I love that. Listen, y'all, Rochelle has Soul Level Branding, uh, Canva Cadaver, for those of y'all who are in there taking these templates and just changing the color of the top line and being like, voila. We don't like it. We don't like it. Learn how to use Canva properly and get Canva Cadabra. Look in the show notes and click on every damn link and just buy everything she has and stop trying to ask me who did my stuff. She did it. Okay. Thank you very much. That is my TED talk. No. (laughs) You know what, Kashana? I want to thank you. I want to give you your flowers. And I know we're almost at time, but I I want to give you your flowers because I cannot ever think of a time where you weren't sharing your community, where you weren't, you know, uh, passing along the collection plate, as it were. So I want to thank you and give you your flowers for always introducing us to people who could support us, that could uplift us, encourage us, help us run better businesses, help us be better people. Uh, I have gotten so much wisdom from your circle. 
And um, thank you for introducing me to your circle and to your audience, because I know how um, protective you are of, of these people, of these women. And so I want to thank you here publicly in front of everyone, because not everyone is willing to do that. And I think that's a very special quality that you possess that I really admire about you. True. My face is so red. Oh, my gosh. It's not the hot lights, neither. It's just my face. It's just so red. It's going to match my shirt in like two seconds. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Listen, I do what I do because I was designed for greater and designed for impact. And I just am so grateful that I get to have folks who are just geniuses in what they do that come along with me for every harebrained scheme that I have. I just want y'all to know, everybody heard what Shell says she's going to redirect my whole brand. But okay, that's it. Because <laughs> it's traumatic and I need it to be healthy. Listen, y'all, we are out of time. Please stay tuned for more that we have come from the podcast. Rochelle, it is such a joy to have you on the show. Um, we're going to make sure that everybody connects with you on all the socials, buys all the things, connects with you to build their brand. They'd be so darn lucky to have you in their creative back pocket. This has been another fantastic episode of Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. And I will talk to y'all real soon. Bye, y'all. Bye. Like what you heard and need a little bit more of this in your life? Well, I want you to head on over to Kish Camp, my virtual camp for stressed out managers who are looking to manage people better and lead with confidence. You can head over to Kish Camp at www.kishcamp.co.